This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 374. Is he crunchy? Good morning. This is Michael Rowe at GamesOrg.biz on a Friday, having fun talking tech, technology, games, coolness, and awesome sauce with my friend Andy Piper. Hey, Andy, how are you? Hi, Michael. I'm good. Uh, don't forget Metaverse. We'll we'll talk about Metaverse. Oh, it's the new thing. Remember, we've got to talk about it's Metaverse. It's the new thing. Uh, I, I've heard that it's it's something new right, and special right. that's never existed before. And maybe we'll talk about some uh, <laughs> some crispy snacks as well. Who knows? Um, Oh, well, I, I'm I'm good. I think we thank should. you for asking. Um, we're missing our other friend Michael Martin this week, um, and you'll be missing me next week. But um, that's just the schedule right now. Um, yeah, quite a few interesting things have happened, and and, and bits and pieces of news. Um, so let's get into the show. Dive in. Why not? So so uh, I think uh, you had pinged this article to to the team uh, earlier this week. Yeah, about you know this really new neat idea that retailers are going into the metaverse. Yeah, this is uh, obviously you know a new dawn for retail, for civilization, for online. It's this this amazing situation, and it really is a big endorsement of um, virtual worlds and three uh, D internet technologies that. Uh, a number of retailers are starting to set up shop in the metaverse, apparently. For example, Samsung has a presence in a metaverse called uh, metaverse environment called Decentraland. And uh, other <laughs> organizations are choosing other spaces. There's a, an article on BBC here about uh, the fact that this is gathering steam. And Meta, the company, has uh, obviously started to uh, really sort of push the the whole metaverse concept it lists firms including uh, the, the article lists firms including uh burberry gucci tommy hilfiger nike so all fashion louis vuitton uh doing work in and some in, banks and some then there's some some banks and finance organizations and then uh, samsung a technology organization so they list a number of other different metaverses that uh that are popular including the sandbox the central land voxels somnian space and horizon worlds and the fact that all of these retailers are having to pick between them but i couldn't help but feel as i read this article i couldn't help but feel a sense a slight sense of deja vu yes just just a, just a really slight one because I feel like you, you know, it's really. I worked on. Uh, we did some stuff in this area some time ago. Well, I, I, I think I remember working fairly closely with you with, uh, uh, with retailers in a metaverse type environment, and I was just doing a quick search of uh, to see if I could find the original article. On the uh, Sears store that we yeah, built in Second Life, right. and Circuit in two thousand six, at Circuit, Circuit City in two thousand seven, right, right. 
and and actually, I think I tried, know, both two stores that are out of business right. now. <laughs> I tried to do this a while ago. Look up back to that stuff, and it's incredible, really, given that we do have this vast database of human knowledge that it's incredibly difficult to find older older content. Um, it's very much optimized for well, the current content. Well, what I really like is I did I said Sears in Second Life. That was my search, and DuckDuckGo number one hit. IBM to build virtual stores in Second Life for Sears and Circuit City in 2015. And I'm like, huh? no, huh? no, uh, that, that it, it, it's, it's, it's a press release article that I guess they updated in 2015. So these businesses but, are out of, and, and these businesses are out of, out of business. Do not go looking for them in Second Life. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this article should be out of business because, uh, again, uh, that was in 2008, 2007, and 2006. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting that that's the article that gets pulled up as number one on the hit parade here. Well, I mean, uh, it's, it is a good point that this was tried before. There was a a fizz or a bubble or whatever there was a a, a, a period of time where about 15 years ago when similar kind of environments were popular and interesting and some retailers decided to take to experiment with them uh, i find it interesting that we are looking at some of these things again um obviously we know that the technology's moved along significantly and you know e-commerce itself is much, much more mature. I think that it's interesting given all the stuff we've talked about over the last 15 years on podcasts and the evolution of the technology that, again, we've got a focus here from fashion retailers because you can see, yep. and, and I see this in games, and I've talked about The Sims as well in the past. I see this in games like The Sims where they do content packs in collaboration with some uh, of the fashion designers sometimes. And... It's kind of cool, you know, they, they've got clothes for your Sims that are inspired by or directly designed by real-world fashion de designers who make real clothes, and they look really neat. Uh, obviously cartoonish, but I think there's definitely an element of um, crossover and similarity there with things like Sears and, and some of the fashion brands here. I Yeah, well, I, I do remember working with a fashion brand back then uh and and the challenge was the cloth right mm, real world mm. cloth behavior you couldn't make it lie correctly on an avatar right, right? you want to be and and that's the exciting thing from a a, a virtual environment perspective is if, if i could represent myself accurately in that environment which most people don't really want to do let's yeah. face it and then i could get that fashion from a fashion designer to also represent itself accurately in the environment I could try on a thousand different outfits from the you know best designers in the world and know what it would look like on me. So I, I get it. I really get it. I think it's a great idea. We're just not. I think the there's also an interesting comment in, towards the halfway point in this article about the speculative bubble around the actual real estate and the space. And then there's some numbers mentioned for costs of land in some of these environments. Um, which again we yep. remember very well from from Ireland uh, in Second Life with with IBM back in the day, um, and then looking at to some extent disrupting or extending that with OpenSim and ways that that could be um, improved for um, for build. So yeah, I, 
it's clear that we're still in the very early days of this stuff uh, as a as an as another round of new newness but i did i was amused by this story uh in fact i'm sure to my right um i'll just turn my head there for a moment um on my bookshelf there is a book about how running a successful business in second life which is aimed at you know um making virtual clothes for your avatar Oh yeah, I, I've got the the Artemisinema book uh, in my office uh, in iView right now, which is all about making movies in Second Life. So funny, yeah, funny, yeah. I've got um. Well, you know, it, let's say you 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 didn't want to just wear clo- wear other people's clothes or try to create a fashion brand. What what other kind of work could you do in a virtual environment? I mean. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind like restocking a virtual uh, vending machine for, for for real money. Oh, over and over, over and again. over. Yeah, why not? And that's what you can do, according well, to Pringles. We got uh, this link, I think, from our friend Ian Epred. Uh, I think I saw this as well. Came out at the end of last week, just at the end of June. That Pringles launched a competition. This is for, via Adweek, uh, which says a lot. Uh, launched a competition. I think it's a brilliant competition, actually. It's, it's actually out of the, U- the an agency out of the UK, and um, the idea here is that your likeness can be attached to an NPC character inside a virtual game. In this case, it's Train Sim World, and uh, you're a uh, you play a vending machine refiller, refilling a machine with Pringles. Uh, but you know. Okay, you're giving up your likeness to stand in a, in a train station and refill a vending machine, but you're getting money for it. So, 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 you know, I had a question about that. So, it's not actually you; it's just your likeness, right? Exactly. Right? Yeah. You okay. don't have to sit there oh, and like, you know, drive the NPC for all users of the game. As far as I know. www.qqq spacebar. <laughs> The videos that they um, they uh, released okay. to go alongside this are pretty funny, um, where they've got a series of films showing the existing NPCs in the game unhappy that a real human's going to come in and actually be paid to do something trivial. Well, I was wondering. I, I watched a couple of them, but and and they did seem really depressing. <laughs> but only if you're an NPC is it depressing if you know real humans going to come in and run your job. Uh, so, so instead of the computers taking our job, the machines taking our job, it's those those pesky humans who are taking our menial jobs. <laughs> I, I kind of like, I, as I say, I like the the idea here. I hope it's not one that is reused too often. I think it is a cool, right. fun way of promoting something. I mean, virtual train simulation games. I mean, I'm not, you know, yeah, they're gonna they appeal to a a an audience of people, um, and. I think this is a fun little way of driving a bit of interest in, in both the, the the crispy snack yeah. pr- Pringles, um, because I mean I and and you know once you pop Michael you just can't stop and and I'm sure they, they hope the same well, once you once you pop that that train sim on your games console you just can't stop uh, simulating them trains. Well, you can't if you're uh, if you're Sheldon, right? I mean, if you're Sheldon, you wouldn't be able to stop because it's a train, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I just recently finished watching the entire run of The Big Bang Theory. Oh, wow. It was kind of like a little guilty pleasure watching episodes of The Big Bang huh. Theory. Uh, and 
And uh, so I finished the entire, I didn't realize it was 12 seasons Yeah, it's a lot longer than you expect. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> and I really think it sagged and, and limped towards the end, I have to say. It's a shame that, um, yeah, it was such a... Especially when they added more train content. <laughs> It was such a it was such a unique um, celebration of geek culture at the start. I think, um, yeah, and I think it, yeah, it was uh, unfortunately a bit a bit flogged uh, towards the end. But um, yeah. well, well, talking about the start of geek culture uh, and and remembering the good old days, uh, you know, a lot of that is all Sunny. been digitized now. Get off my lawn. <laughs> 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 And, and, and so there was an article in the register this week uh, talking about, you know, needing a library of Congress for the digital world. Uh, what, what did you think of this article, Andy? It's a great article and it's worth uh, stopping, uh, not stopping listening to the podcast, but um, stopping maybe after the podcast no, 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 to no, go re- pick it up and have a read. The register is uh, well known as a, a sarcastic uh forthright publication in the tech world, but I think this is a really interesting um, And it really dives into the intellectual property and copyright issues. And it talks about, and it was funny, we were before the show, Michael said, well, we've got archive.org. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what this article goes into. It says, you know, that <laughs> we do have archive.org. And I've used it, in fact, to, to fish out otherwise lost artifacts of myself online. Recently, there was a video that uh, was removed from from YouTube of a talk I'd given that I was particularly proud of, and I was able to use the Internet Archive to go get myself a copy of it to to keep for myself in in posterity. And, uh, and it reminded me that you know uploading stuff to to the cloud that I don't own and not having a copy of is you know limiting to some extent. So um, the, it it talks about the the limits of the Internet Archive, and it also talks about the need. And we've spoken about this as well to maintain emulation to enable older content to be consumed in the future, because not every file format or uh, runtime engine stays the same over time. Not everything is as backward compatible as Windows has been historically for brilliantly backward compatible for years, and and the Mac has been yeah done a decent job of being backward compatible for a limited time, but also forcing people to upgrade all the time. So. Um, that- well, and, and you know, it's interesting. I was I was following a thread in a, in a Slack channel recently talking about backwards compatible, about somebody trying to convert some old Mac data files for some application that they had on the Mac in like version nine mm-hmm. days, right? And there is no direct path for what they were trying to do. You there was a tool that you could get that would run in an emulation mode. That would allow you to convert from one format to another format, like in version nine. And then there was another tool that you had to get in version 10 of the operating system to convert it to another format, which would bring it up to a format where you can now convert it through standard tools. Right. So the whole emulation mode, I think, is, I, is critical because, you know, having access to it in its, quote, native content format, whatever it is. Uh, is 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 important for a lot of stuff. It's it's why uh, I, I went to um, uh, the university library uh, in Chapel Hill some years back to a room where they had all the old audio equipment to convert audio, and they had 
wax cylinder readers, for lack of a better term, uh, all the way up through the latest at the time uh, of, you know, high def audio MP3 type players, right? To do data conversion to put together an online archive of all the different audio forms of data that they had on campus. And they had to have, you know, these turntables, those reel-to-reels, these eight tracks, those cylinders, those Victrolas, etc., all then connected up to a format which they could then digitize from. The, so. the, the, one of the things I love about doing this show, um, especially, uh, and that's the that's the one that go that's on, on that's that's the plus one to getting to hang out with you and Michael every week um, is uh, just the the chance to geek out and uh, and talk about these things and. Uh, we, we, we've we've gone way down a rabbit hole here. Um, on the same lines that you were just speaking about, I'm just reminded of the fact that all of my essays that I wrote for three years at university are on a an old Acorn computer sitting in my old bedroom mm. uh, that I haven't lived in for 25 years. Uh, and uh, that computer, if it still switches on, which it should do, um, I, it doesn't have any network. Um, or if it does have a network, it's using Apple. Uh, it's using Acorn Econet or something like that. Now, it might be a, it might be able to get to it on Ethernet, but probably not on any software that still works. And then the file formats would be something that I would have to manually figure out how to convert to something that I could use today, because they were somehow proprietary on that platform. I imagine. I still think about that. I still remember having written those things and think. I'd actually like to be able to go back and have that as a record of things I did. Anyway, back to this article. Um, This (laughs) one particularly focuses on the difference between the copyrighted works of books and paintings um, versus software. Um, And that's really what the value of this article is about. And it talks about the length of time that uh, a piece of software is copyrighted for. No software, proprietary software, has yet uh, come out of copyright. Um, and um, I'm trying to find the sentence here um, that I, I enjoy. I thought was particularly key here. Um, here we are, this, sentence, this paragraph in the middle. Software is treated much as any other copyrighted work in terms of how long copyright lasts. This is famously complicated and jurisdiction dependent, but it's a thick end of 100 years. To date, no software has ever come out of copyright, nor will any until the second half of the century. Now, it then does go on to point out that many companies and organizations, and of course, NASA released all the the moon landing software uh, code on on GitHub and things like that. So code has become available and has been released under non-commercial terms, but... um, it is really interesting uh, uh, to talk about how this all might work in the context of a digital museum. And the fact that, as we've just seen, talking about um, the return of the retailers in the metaverse in, on a 15-year spot cycle, this stuff has a very short lifespan, potentially. Uh, or very, and so yeah. th- those kind of terms of use are wildly mismatched anyway. Anyway, I think... Would encourage folks listening. It's not that long an article um, to have a look at it. Um, let us know what you think, because I think well, I know that Michael and Michael and I all have a, have opinions on this, and we'd love to hear hear from you. 
Yeah, one one thought that just popped in my head right now, right? Uh, the the reason behind you know copyright was to encourage invention uh, with patents and things of that nature, because you can you can then well copyright and patents I should say, uh, because you can get a monetary reward from your patent for a certain period of time before it becomes publicly available. Copyright is different than a patent from that perspective, right? Because a copyright doesn't have to become free, mm-hmm. right? You, you you can you can license your rights to somebody just like you can a patent. But what what's interesting to me, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here and this thought may not make total sense yet is what we actually find is they shut down innovation mm-hmm. because if 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 you've created and copyrighted the word processor, right? Remember WordPerfect, which they call out in the article, right? It was the dominant word processor for a very long time. It it lost its dominancy not because of itself. It's because the operating system underneath radically changed from DOS to a GUI environment with Windows, right? Um, and there was a there was an opportunity to come in and break that 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 monopoly. Uh, and so you you get to this point where to your point uh, and the article's point of things don't become available until, you know, maybe the second half of this century, uh, if we're lucky, um, how much innovation is stopped? Because I've got this old piece of software. It's containing access to all this data that you can't get to unless you use that software. And because I won't release that software, you've locked the data into that kind of container, right? Well, so. Related to this is another story that came across our radar this week, um, and it is very closely related. Which is another story from TechDirt. We 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 used we used a story from this site last week, um, which is a project that has been running um, to uh, try to digitize every SNES manual, Super Nintendo or Super Famicom uh, game manual, um, collecting them, collecting the manuals themselves and then painstakingly scanning them, digitizing them, and then putting them online. And it's done for every single English language SNES game manual. Now, the story is really interesting, again, in the context of what Michael was just describing, because, of course, um, it's Nintendo we're talking about, and they generally have a pretty strong uh, view on intellectual property. So uh, there's an argument, a series of arguments in the comments section Never read below the fold, folks. It's just not worth it um, <laughs> to dis- debate whether or not Nintendo will shut it down or steal the content, or uh, you know, or whether or not they have any rights to the content in the first place because some of it would have been pot- potentially third party under license, which may have expired, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, my brother had a, a Super Nintendo, so that was one of the early consoles we had in our house. So I was clicking through. I opened up the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, Turtles in Time manual and the, one of the Super Mario manuals. Michael, you spotted something in the in there which made you smile. Yes, Izzy in the quest for the Olympic rings, uh, remembering them from uh, living in Atlanta during those ah, Olympics. Yeah, so that was uh, that was not a Michael very proudly in the just before we started recording held up his Izzy his Izzy plushie. I had no idea what he was showing me. I yes. didn't remember those. I remembered. It's funny. <laughs> I remember the, of course, remember the um, mascots from the London Olympics, uh, but I didn't remember the ones from the Atlanta. What were they? They 
Tweedledee yeah, and Tweedledum. No, they were um, called. Uh, oh, they were named after two places in the middle of England. Um, oh gosh, my name's my, now. I'm now I'm forgetting, and I'm going to have to look it up. London Olympic, Chichester, and uh, West Hampshire. It was. They were good names. Bear with me. They okay. were Wenlock. Wenlock. Those are good British-sounding names. Wenlock and Mandeville. Wenlock was the Summer Olympics, and Mandeville was the Winter, the Summer Paralympics. I mean, I mean, um, I think Aha. we have um, statuettes of them somewhere in the house. Excellent, excellent. Probably, probably hiding next to your Boba Fett. Uh, no, no, uh, not not right there. But I, I'm sure I've seen seen one of them somewhere lurking there. They're terrifying uh, cyclopean creatures that uh, that make no very little sense. But anyway, yeah, Mandeville and Wenlock were great yeah, names. Yeah, Izzy Izzy was berated horribly uh, when it started off. Um, I can't remember when he started off. He was kind of buff. <laughs> Or he wasn't kind of buff, and he was kind of amorphous looking, and they just berated him, and then they made him buff to make him less More like Olympic. what he is. Because the whole point is, is is you know what is he? Oh, is he? Uh, that was the point. It, it's a what? What is he? What is he? What is he? That was that was the point. Well, uh, and then they just changed him to Izzy, uh, and then changing. Anyway. But I, I know we are yeah, just we about are, out we of time. Are. So let's hit on two really quick things. Um, one of them was something that came yes. in yesterday, uh, which I shared with uh, my friends Michael and Michael in excitement late last night. Um, Lego has a, announced a 2,800-piece model of Bowser um, from uh, Super wow. Mario. It's it's looks more like Wowser. Right? It looks incredible. <laughs> um, it's under the uh, sort of uh, Lego for adults kind of theme. They. These, if you're not familiar with what these look like, they, they tend to come in a darker or black black kind of box um, that sort of generally indicates that they're for older builders. Um, also, uh, yesterday, Lego uh, released the PDF of their second half 2022 um, catalogue. I don't actually remember whether this, this model is in it, but there's a ton of the Super Mario um Sets coming there doing a princess. Peach well, this is this is supposed to be in October, so it's a second yeah. I know. Half. I, I don't remember whether this one is in. The, I've, I've got. I've downloaded the PDF and flicked through it earlier. There's a ton of interesting, cool stuff, but I, I, th- I saw this separately. Anyway, it looks really cool. I'm excited. Finally, uh, we're going to add a link to the show notes that you all should go check out. Come over to gamesatwork.biz after you listen to the show. Click through um, the links, and there's a very funny video that somebody shared on Twitter this week. It's actually, it's actually, to be fair, clipped out of a longer YouTube video that puts uh, that takes the game God of War from the PlayStation and uh, hilariously injects the Simpsons as the main characters. So you see Homer smashing people up with a tree trunk, and it's just very funny. I, I thought it was hilarious. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> And on well, and on that note, that's all the time that it we is. Have. I'm going to miss miss this <laughs> week, um, but hopefully Michael will be back so that you all can continue to listen to get your well. Well, I can, I can guarantee one Michael Excellent. will be back I'm at glad least. To hear that, um, <laughs> it's been fun again, Michael. And um, where should people go to uh, find uh, the podcast and, and and so on? 
Well, I, I, you know, I, I always, I'm kind of a completist, mm-hmm. and and you go to the source. You go to the source at gamesatwork.biz, and from there, you can find links to our various social media accounts, links to various different podcatchers or pod feeds out there, however you want to consume it. Heck, you know, you could even listen to the show on the website while you're clicking on the links in the article attached with that's each true. episode. That's true. That's a great idea. And then you could even comment on the website if you like on, the, on each blog post to, to tell us what you think. You or could. you can tweet at us at games at work underscore biz. And on that note, I think uh, we're just about out of time. So we'll say see ya. See You've ya. been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network. And we'd like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz.